Welcome to a place where we combine equal parts science, technology, design, and entrepreneurship. Then we gradually stir in magic to the mixture, and you have the Perception Podcast. Join us in conversations with design heroes, inspirational thinkers, business leaders, and trailblazers across the globe. Today's guest is Amco Lienartz. He is the Director of Design for Ford Europe, where he is responsible for the exterior and interior design of all models for global markets. Amco leads a team of more than 275 Ford employees at Ford Design Studios in Germany and the Dunton Technical Center in the UK. Previously, he was the Director of Global Interior Design at Ford, leading design strategy and implementation for both the Ford and Lincoln brands worldwide. Lienartz graduated from the Academy of Arts in the Netherlands with a degree in interior architecture. With a passion for car design, he then went on to study at the Royal College of Art in London, graduating with a master's degree in vehicle design. Given our long creative partnership with Ford, we're very excited to have him join us today on the Perception Podcast. So put your seatbelts on and let's get going with Amco Lienartz. Let's start with the formative years. Uh, what did you grow up and what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, I grew up in the Netherlands, um, in the north of the Netherlands. I was uh, a son uh, of uh, two hi- uh, hippie parents. Um, uh, we, um, I, I always wanted to become a car designer since I was uh, very young. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, whenever we went on like vacation, I liked the car parks better than, you know, anything else. Um, so um, from that, my, uh, my dad was a director uh, of a company and my mom was, was actually an artist. So uh, I guess the two uh, combined uh, became me. So uh, I read that uh, you you actually started off studying architecture, uh, which I have in common with you. I studied that for a year as well before uh, shifting my focus, and uh, and I, I read that you did a very similar path. So what what led you to first go into architecture, and then what made you shift into uh, automotive studies? Yeah, that's that's a good uh, question. I always wanted to become a car designer, but uh, along the way, I guess I got distracted. Which is uh, maybe in the in in the in the somewhat older days. I'm not that old, but uh, you know, at the time where there was no internet and you weren't traveling as easy, and um, I kind of stuck to the uh, to the uh, schools that were available to me in my near neighborhood. Uh, which was an academy of arts that had a uh, interior architecture course, which included uh, furniture design, um, uh, landscaping even, and, you know, so basically kind of the, the, the pre-experience design uh, uh, course. Mm-hmm. So did that for uh, five years because it was so comfortable. Even in the first year, I designed a, a line of furniture, which I sold at the end of the first year. and. It it it, uh, it felt good to be uh, to to finally do what I love doing, uh, designing and and, uh, and you know getting fairly easy success with it to be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, then uh, I graduated. I worked for an architectural firm. I designed a couple of schools, a couple of houses, 
did that for about uh, two years and um, basically it started to itch because I realized that all of that work you have to do to build one building just this doesn't seem logical to me. Hmm. Um, and uh, the next event that happened was uh, I went uh, with my wife um, to a exhibition uh, about car design. And in the south of the country, I think it was in Rotterdam. And it was an exhibition about Volvo design at the time. And I, I realized that I, I had tears in my eyes, literally. Hmm. Um, and, you know, my wife said, what's, what's going on? I said, well, this, this is really what I want to do. You know, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to do actually the architecture. This is what I always, always, always wanted. So she supported me very good. She says, well, why don't you do it anyway? Uh, we're still young, uh, even though we already uh, started to uh, have children. Mm -hmm. She'll uh, support uh, next steps. So uh, I went to do a couple of internships uh, for free, basically, uh, a couple of months, one at Volvo, one at Lancia Centro Stile in, uh, in Italy. And then uh, at the same time, I uh, I... Um, admitted uh, myself to the Royal College of Art in London, hmm. and um, got it. So that, and that worked out. So uh, a two years master's degree in vehicle design, um, and uh, uh, right from there I started to work for Peugeot in France. So that Volvo exhibit really was a turning point. You just had an emotional response to it. Totally, it that was totally the biggest pivot point. And to be honest, I've, I've, I've never had an, an emotional reaction like that where I, didn't, where I didn't really kind of like controlled what was going on. You know, I was surprised by it myself as well. So, Was there anything uh, in particular? Was it, was it the exterior design? I, I, obviously, your, your work is uh, mainly on the interior, but was there anything specific about that exhibit or... Uh, no, it was mode? it was all it was exterior, it was interior. It it just all came it, together. It was the art. It was the art of of uh, of, uh, of of drawing, of visualizing ideas, um, uh, the, the model making, all these things. I I started to do on my own between you know I was ten and and seventeen or eighteen, uh, mm. but I said got distracted from that. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I, just my utter love for cars just came back again. It's great. So, what was your your first big break? Was it then uh, when when you were at Peugeot, or was it something different? No, I think yeah, I think you're right. Uh, Peugeot was a really good first step uh, in uh, 2000. I graduated in 2000, got a job in 2000, and. Basically, uh, started as a junior uh, interior designer. Um, I think the big break that kind of led me to a pretty fast track was um, winning the design competition for the Peugeot 207. I think that was back in uh, back in 2003. Um, Right after that, or actually while I was executing that de design with the team, uh, because obviously I didn't do it all by myself, but with the with the team that I was working with, uh, 
I also designed a concept car called the 908 RC, which, you know, kind of doing a production car, doing a, doing a, a concept car at the same time, um, and then basically handling everything else. Um, uh, within Peugeot on interior design, they basically fast-tracked me to become design director in 2008. So that was wow. really, really quite, uh, quite, a, quite a quick uh, uh, path. And I learned an awful lot in that time, but it was, uh, it was, it was really good. Hmm. So how did that transition you to uh, Ford uh, in North America and then, and then eventually uh, Europe? Yeah, so uh, uh, about six years ago, I was approached uh, by uh, a, a headhunter um, that uh, was sent by Jay Mace, uh, that was the design director at the time. Uh, sorry, the VP of design in uh, Ford, and uh, with the question if I would be interested. Um, and, you know, at the time I lived in France for about uh, 12 years or so, uh, had uh, made uh, five kids in the meantime. Wow. And, you know, we, we felt it was maybe time for a, a new adventure anyway. I think I've achieved, I achieved kind of everything I wanted to do at uh, uh, Peugeot. So it felt like the right uh, moment. So uh, about uh, yeah, a couple of months later, I started working for Ford as a strategic interior design director from Europe. Uh, did that for about uh, 15 months and basically worked uh, most of the time uh, analyzing how Ford was working uh, globally and, and, uh, and, and in the different regions. Uh, and how uh, we could improve our interior design uh, delivery. So with that strategy that I uh, 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 basically worked on for that, for that uh, kind of 14, 15 months, then uh, Jay Mays asked me if I could implement that and he felt it was the best to go to the mothership and uh, get that uh, starting out from the U.S. So I uh, did that, moved my family, uh, went to the U.S., uh, stayed there for about uh, four and a half years uh, until uh, the company asked me to return to Europe and uh, become the design director of Ford of Europe uh, uh, and basically lead all the design operations that exist here. So if it's uh, design engineering, if it is uh, interior, exterior, uh, color materials, uh, with the uh, different uh, design studios that we have. So we've got one in uh, Cologne, Germany, one in Dunton uh, uh, in the UK, and one in London in the U UK as well. So it's about uh, the same amount of people as basically my f uh, previous function was as Global Director of Interior Design, about uh, 300 uh, 300 people or so. So it's, a, it's an interesting, uh, interesting uh, challenge again. Who were some of your um, early mentors? Uh, early mentors or inspirations, I would say, right? Um, mm -hmm. Yep. Back in the 80s, I guess, uh, that was when, where I kind of reached a peak into my uh, wish to become a car designer when I was like, uh, you know, uh, uh, 16, 17, it was mostly the Italian uh, design masters that uh, really inf in influenced me. 
they were definitely uh, uh, one of the best in the in the world at the time. Um, around the age of 13, I did uh, got to know a Dutch car designer that at the time worked at, at uh, in uh, Michelotti, which at the time was a a, a coach builder based in uh, Torino, and. Um, I reached out to him, and it turns out that uh, we had a lot in common, and he was willing to kind of mentor me, uh, and basically, he's been helping me uh, between I was 13 and about uh, 21 or something. Wow. So, uh, yeah, that, that was just every couple of months I would go and see him and show my work and and uh, take all the all the input and and keep on keep keep him in the loop of all the progress I was uh, I was making and yeah that that was probably one of the most important ones uh, in that at that time what were you showing him at the age of 13 was it just drawings of cars or were you modeling things uh, drawings models uh, anything I could do really to visualize uh, my ideas sometimes it was made out of paper sometimes it I tried to mimic uh, the clay, but I didn't have obviously the money to buy the real clay, so right. I tried to do it without clay, which had mixed uh, successes. Um, Were and you then, into building uh, car models as a kid, and uh, yeah, of course, RC cars and then, things like that. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, started to learn how to do uh, um, how to do how to do the renderings and how to um, how to do uh, spray painting and you know mm-hmm. uh, basically learn how to do that well and yeah I, I got a lot of uh, I learned a lot from him because in exchange he would uh, uh, he would uh, show me how to do things better or different. Um, yeah, that, that was a good time. You mentioned uh, going from where you were to Detroit and then and then back again. Um, you know, my parents are uh, from Spain, and my father would send me to uh, to his town in Spain. And the car cultures, or not necessarily the culture, but just the design in general, were so different. You know, he had a, a Renault 5 Turbo in Spain, but then when he was here, he had a Ford Thunderbird. And the difference in scale of the car alone is... <laughs> It's tremendous. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so do you see, and, and now I think there's there's much more tie-ins of the cars and, and, and design, but back then when I was growing up, they were so different. Explain to us a little bit of, you know, the difference back then as, as to what it is now. So I feel, though, that the difference in size is still very much the case. Mm-hmm. So as a, uh, uh, in my previous role uh, uh, as global director i would i would direct all the interiors around the world so if it was a really big f-150 or if it was a small uh, ford car plus or you know any any anything that had a ford nameplate went went through my hands mm-hmm. and um i i i still think there's a there's a large difference between europe and north america and china and south america if it's about size, if it's about price, if it's about imagery, uh, each region has their own um, uh, character of uh, customers that needs to be uh, needs to be served. Mm-hmm. I think what the good thing though about right now is that there is such a variety of products. It's never been bigger than ever. So. Uh, I think back in the 70s, we only had uh, sedans and station wagons. Um, uh, Now, uh, you know, it grew to, we have small SUVs, big SUVs, 
Uh, we have uh, really uh, good, capable uh, off-road vehicles. We have tiny vehicles like a Smart. Uh, we have mm -hmm. uh, uh, the luxury market is bigger than ever. Uh, we've never seen a growth in sports car um, uh, uh, variety ever. You know, back in the day it used to be Lamborghini and Ferrari, and you know maybe a bit of Aston Martin, and then you were done. But now it's got mm -hmm. such vast amount of um, uh, of options that you have um, that is really great we see we see a, a rise of uh, pickup markets right here in uh, Europe which is an interesting uh, uh, development as, as uh, well so I think more and more people have more and more access to different size of vehicles and they can choose more of what fits to their life to be honest it all goes back to when you experienced that show uh, where you saw the Volvo and, and you started to get emotional. You know, everybody's got a different uh, type of emotional connection to the vehicles, which is why we see so many. Um, you know, my right. father's biggest complaint of the newer cars was that the cigarette lighters and the ashtrays were disappearing. <laughs> yeah. I'm wondering about the, uh, the design and creative process in uh, your experiences in, uh, in, in Europe and North America. Can you talk a little bit about uh, any uh, similarities or any differences? Well, our uh, global uh, design organization uh, works very similar around the world uh, and the process that goes with it. So we use every type of technology that we can get our hands on to visualize our creative ideas. So if it is uh, sketching by hand, Wacom, Wacom tablet, CAD, uh, CAD applications, visual, visualization applications, uh, lo-fi modeling, uh, uh, high-speed high speed milling, 3D printing, um, and I can continue, VR, uh, AR, uh, it, it's all there mm -hmm. for us to uh, use, which I realize is a fantastic luxury we have in this industry. Um, uh, and, and depending on where we are in the process, do we need to be fast? Do we need to be smart? Do we need to be, do we need to be precise? Uh, it, it depends where we are in the process. We can use those uh, tools. And uh, yeah, for the rest, the, 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 the processes uh, between uh, uh, the different regions is, is really quite similar. I've heard you mention that digital displays is the fastest growing department at Ford. So how does the new paradigm of digital displays change the interior design thought process? So um, you've heard something, but you've, you've repeated it wrongly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Apologies. No, no, that's fine. Um, it, you know, obviously, we don't have a, dis a digital display department, but we uh, definitely have a UX, uh, UI uh, department, and that one right. has been growing under my leadership uh, massively. I think what you're referring to is probably the UI, uh, and that uh, transition uh, where we're in, where there's a lot of uh, controls and input and outputs basically have mm -hmm. turned into uh, screens, which means that it has flexibility, but it also means that there is a lot of uh, programming and designing to be done, and you know your digital experience is almost coming, becoming an extra layer of interest into the de into the design process. So that is absolutely, uh, absolutely awesome. The way on how we input and output, uh, as I call it. So where do you put your input in, and where do you get the feedback from? Is the 
biggest puzzle that I think uh, I think everybody tries to solve. Um, uh, uh, so if you talk about talk about the input, it's all about is it a touchscreen? Does it have a distant controller? Do you do it through gesture? Do do you do it through voice? So there's many mm -hmm. different options there. What makes sense at what situation uh, uh, is is uh, is is depending on the context. Um, right. On the output, it's the same thing. Uh, sometimes you need something simple as a as a as a LED, and uh, sometimes you need a, uh, you need an output to confirm something as complicated as a uh, as a as a uh, as an OLED uh, screen. Mm -hmm. so, so I think. Yep. Go ahead. So what's your design philosophy as far as tactile design versus the digital displays? You know, someone that actually wants to grab a knob and just turn it for ease of use as, instead of, you know, uh, swiping the screen. My design philosophy is that I would want to serve as many customers as possible in as many mm -hmm. different regions, uh, which means that depending on where you are, depending on where we are in time, um, uh, we need to do a little bit more one or a little bit more of the other. So that sounds uh, generic, but let me explain. Um, there are certain regions where it is uh, more, uh, there is a bigger demand to be more digital um, and a little bit less physical, and there are other regions where more physicality is actually uh, being appreciated. Um, it depends on the on the function uh, of your of your input what what is being uh, uh, liked or what is not being liked. But when you go further into the future, I think that's where it starts to become interesting. It's not so much anymore uh, does a screen need to be bigger or smaller or physical buttons, but it's more about how forgiving is the system and how flexible is the system in order to mm -hmm. meet the new challenges of uh, self-driving of uh, 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 city mobility solutions. Basically, if I would sum it up really shortly, my design philosophy is to make sure we create systems that are uh, extremely flexible, yet uh, uh, very um, intuitive and obviously very cost-effective. I love uh, I love asking designers about their uh, experiences working with engineering. Um, can you talk a little bit about design and engineering in your career, and have you ever had uh, situations where you really had to convince engineers to try new things that might be outside their comfort zone, and that uh, you know kind of that relationship? Yeah, it's interesting that you ask that. Um, in my younger uh, days uh, as a designer, I, 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 I always tried to fight the engineering community, mm -hmm. uh, especially when I realized that 97% of the engineering community is, is there to defend whatever is there is the right thing to do anyway. Right, of course. And only, you know, 3 to 4% uh, is, actually, is actually open uh, for uh, getting to the next uh, level of innovation. Sure. Uh, um, but I learned over the years that to be much, uh, let's say, uh, smarter about it and, and more, uh, more patient, uh, I accepted that basically we have a different brain. Mm -hmm. um, one is right hand and using more the right hand side and the other one is using the left hand side. So 
I've been working an awful lot on getting that communication uh, flow a lot better so we could actually create a language that we understand each other. A common ground. Yeah. And that is, that is basically a secret for success because you know what, if the engineering community is not going to believe in your idea, you, can, you, can, uh, you cannot in the end uh, execute it well. So I'm convinced that we are the best if we, if we all work towards that, that one goal that is, that is really awesome. So if it's marketing, if it's engineering, if it is other constraints and, you know, there's so many constraints in these finding a car that engineering is is one one portion of it. Um, so yeah, we've we've I've been challenging the engineers a lot in in uh, many uh, many different areas, um, but I've challenged my design team in many different areas as well. You know, once in a while, I, I it was the engineering team that convinced me that. What I wanted was really the, the wrong way to go, and we have to do it slightly different. And, and, and uh, that way, we have to design around the constraint. And that's that interesting path in that process that sometimes you need to uh, listen and bend towards what the others uh, are, are, are proposing. And sometimes you need to just keep on fighting for what you believe in, depending on, on, on which, which topic, you, topic you talk about. Yeah, and I'm sure there's there's plenty of uh, examples of times where you proved your point to them, and and others where they perhaps proved their point to you. Uh, but in the end, you know, the the, the joined uh, trust uh, and compromise hopefully uh, you know leads to a mutual success for everybody. Yeah, that's that's exactly it, and that's a good way of wording it. Because the more you can create the magic between all of us, the 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 more special the end result is going to to be. And uh, I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm definitely convinced that uh, that's the right way of working. But we always ask on exterior that something looks more wider, more lower, more more bigger wheels, more thresh to axle, uh, mm-hmm. more expensive technology in it, more you know. But you know, sometimes you cannot get it all, so we are making the compromises. So. As you know, part of what we do at Perception is we work on uh, futurist technologies for uh, Marvel superheroes and the films and things like that. Being a film buff is sometimes I don't want them to remake some of the oldies like uh, Robocop was one of my favorite movies growing up and they redid it in 2014. Yes, we got to work on it, but you know it wasn't as great as the original. Bringing that into the, the automotive uh, realm, how do you feel about car companies remaking their classics? You know, I'm a I'm a Mustang fanatic, and and I love the evolution of the of the Mustang. But um, how do you feel about remaking those classics? Um, well, you know, as you know, we've we've announced as well um, that we're going to revive the Bronco, um, or we're bringing the Bronco back on the market. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. The Mustang, the F-150 is an icon in itself. Um, the GT40, uh, the, the GT, uh, um, obviously, but Specifically, the GT, I think, is a great example how anybody that doesn't know the GT40 uh, would not think they're looking at a retro design. So Mm -hmm. whenever we celebrate our past, I think we need to do it in a way that is modern, uh, futuristic, uh, with with a new point of view, only use it as a potential inspiration, but not as a... Uh, kind of a retro way of looking at things. I think uh, that that there is there is no time for that. The GT, I mean, you know, it was definitely an evolution, but 
also a revolution because nobody really knew about it and it just took on the world by surprise. It was beautiful. Yeah, that was probably one of my most interesting experiences to design that, that car with the teams. Um, mm -hmm. We did it from the basement, as you know, and uh, even, yep. my, even, even my direct report didn't know anything about the project. Whenever uh, my one designer and one manager that, that, I, that I put down in the, in the basement would need me, uh, that studio was right next to the toilet, so they would... <laughs> <laughs> they would text me, you know, do you need to go for a toilet break soon? And then I knew that I that I needed to come and and give some input. But yeah, that 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 was such a wonderful project to do because it was fast, it was clear about what the objectives are. Uh, you know, we got to win Le Mans, it's got to be lightweight, it's got to be aerodynamically aer aer sound. Uh, it, it's got to be. We already knew where it was going to be produced, how many. So you could. Mm -hmm. And then with a limited amount of people, about 25 people, you just do it. And that, that is such a wonderful, you know, a bit as, as an industrial designer, uh, I guess, uh, would, would design a, an appliance or a motorcycle or, you know, something that is much more smaller mm -hmm. uh, with a much smaller process production time. But the speed in which we, which we did it was just uh, absolutely wonderful. And you know, yeah. no time to relook at it, worry about the benchmarking, getting more input from a region. You know, th those are all the the daily uh, realities that I'm facing uh, with the other uh, vehicles that we do. Yeah, it was an unforgettable and memorable experience for all of us. We'll definitely never forget it. Um, I wanted to uh, switch gears a little bit um, and touch on uh, the two hottest topics right now, of course, of autonomous driving and, and electric vehicles. Uh, how do you think these shifts are going to impact automotive design? I think um, automotive design in general, um, EV is maybe not the revolution that everybody thinks about. You know, if you see cars mm -hmm. that are successful, they're actually pretty classical in, their, in terms of their proportions, in their silhouette, in the way you can use them. So. Uh, I think the opportunities uh, were maybe greater, but the customer is not really ready for that. In the industry, we can we can see that the choice of uh, of a powertrain of a different powertrain is really really welcome. So that's a that's a good good thing. I think it changes the way if you would call an experience that you would have with a car design. Uh, which I would refer to, uh, an experience as a series of moments that you're getting excited about uh, or frustrated, for that matter, uh, about the car, um, in, in depending on in what context it is, uh, th that is different in, a, in an electric car. So simple things like uh, the fact that you don't, don't uh, hear the engine as much it means that you hear other things more, um, uh, the fact that you can accelerate in a, in a different way gives you a different feeling. So all of these things are good for the spectrum of what I talked about in the beginning of choice that the customer is, uh, is going to have uh, uh, around the world. Uh, I think on AV, it's actually a much bigger one. Um, the way that it potentially impacts the designs uh, everywhere is, is uh, you know, I think, pretty, uh, pretty significant. Um, if it's on the exterior or if it's on the 
interior, if it's about moving goods or moving moving people, um, I think uh, mm -hmm. there's going to be some new breeds of uh, vehicles coming on the on the road, which is uh, again great. Um, and then on the interior, uh, it, it, obviously that changes a lot as well because the car has been made uh, and perfected uh, in the last 120 years to operate a machine that you needed your hands and 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 feet for. Um, and if that is uh, if if that is slowly through driver assist technology development um, moving into another space that is definitely changing the way we interact uh, with the vehicle, uh, people uh, from uh, the people within the, the, the vehicle uh, to the outside world. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of really great, great puzzles coming up that, uh, that I'm looking forward to. What advice would you give to young automotive designers just starting their careers? So yesterday uh, morning, I had a coffee with an American kid that um, contacted me and said, uh, "Can I please have a coffee with you? Uh, I'll come to wherever you need you want me to go, and 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 just I need half an hour uh, so you can give me feedback on my uh, on my work." So whenever mm -hmm. I get this this request that shows uh, extreme uh, motivation. Uh, the real honesty and openness to uh, be critiqued, uh, the willingness to share. As soon as I see that, I'm 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 putting time aside in my in my calendar to to help. For me, it's important that uh, the generation is uh, getting uh, is looking around in the world. So you need to travel. You need to see where. The difference is don't only look onto the internet about what the new technologies are and put a new skin over it. There is mm -hmm. true new uh, revolutions to be uh, visualized, and that is more than just an object. So travel is an important one. You need to be want to become the best, and that still starts with the with the piece of paper and a pen wherever you are. Uh, uh, you need to be able to visualize your I I ideas because it's your only way to communicate the brilliance of what your own idea is. So if you're not if you're not able to visualize that, then why why would you be in the business? So, and then the motivation to do that is absolutely to be the best. I, I would I would not settle for less ever. And the only way to know that is if you're getting feedback, if you're being honest to yourself, if you're um, uh, talking to a lot of different people um, uh, that you uh, trust and that you accept uh, criticism from and uh, really move uh, your level higher and higher and higher. I think that's the kind of basics. Yeah, I, I, I love the, you know, the tenacity and the persistence, but above all, I love the idea of uh, pencil and paper and never putting that down, you know, no matter what technology brings along. Uh, to sketch every day, to constantly, you know, be drawing is, uh, you know, as a, as an artist, as a kid and grew up and went to school to be a designer, that was uh, a piece of advice I got a, a very long time ago, always having a sketchbook with you and, and never abandoning that was uh, some of the best advice I ever got. Yeah, what I'm, what I'm sometimes surprised about is specifically in the automotive business, people seem to tend to uh, and exterior design even more than interior design, but just keep everything for themselves instead of uh, being open about it and, and get better through uh, feedback, get better through 
meeting the right people. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's where you need to invest in, to be honest. When when I was, uh, I think, uh, uh, just just wondering what age I was. I think I was about uh, 18, 19, where I still wasn't sure yet. I I went on a trip through Europe and I found all all these phone numbers and addresses of um, of uh, car design studios and uh, the mobile phone just started and I uh, rented a mobile phone and on the way through Europe somewhere I called up that particular design director and, and, you know, would say, yeah, I'm in the neighborhood, uh, yeah. I've got a portfolio, can I have some feedback? Uh, <laughs> you know, so it, it, it wasn't very aggressive. It was just simply like, I just want, want some, something, to, uh, something to learn. And very positively, always got the response, yeah, why don't you come by, you know, tomorrow morning or this afternoon? And we would race through Europe, you know, crisscross. Uh, and we, I think we visited about five or six uh, different uh, design studios just to, just to get yourself known, just to show your motivation, just to, the passion. you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it was awesome. I would never forget these, uh, these experiences. So that's very uh, familiar to us. You know, a lot of the, the biggest breaks and opportunities that we got in perception were with them, very similar uh, strategies of, just getting in front of people and showing them your passion, your drive, your interest, and your love of the product or the brand that you're, you know, eager to work for. Um, I'm going to, I got one more question for you, Amco, and then we'll wrap up. Um, yeah. As much as you can talk about, uh, what are you most excited about currently uh, at Ford? Um, I think, uh, I think that's what I just uh, talked about, the topics of uh, EV that changed the uh, imagery a little bit of the car. It, 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 it's a great movement in the, in the society uh, that changes behavior of uh, people, which I, which I love to watch and, and, and to serve. Um, uh, same with the uh, self-driving movements, uh, I think is, is, is really cool. But I think what Ford keeps being such an amazing company with is it's the only brand that uh, pro- produces cars uh, or mobility solutions for that matter uh, that starts from a very low price, uh, 9,000 9, euros, mm-hmm. all the way up to half a million with the right. same Ford badge all around the world, if it's trucks, if it's SUVs, if it's sports cars, uh, uh, it, it, it's such an amazing uh, uh, time to uh, see uh, all those movements that I just talked about being applied to all of those different, um, different uh, emotional territories that is just really, really cool. So that's amazing. We're going to be following the the journey uh, very, very closely. Uh, how can people follow you online or get in touch with you? Uh, I'm not a, not a big Instagrammer, but I've got an Instagram uh, account. Uh, I, got, uh, I, I got a Facebook account as well, but I try to keep that private. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm a little bit less of, a, of an Instagrammer. I mean, I've mm-hmm. got all the accounts, so people can always contact me through Instagram, Twitter, or, you know, uh, these things, but I'm, I'm not highly, highly active on it. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much, uh, Amco. It was an honor uh, speaking with you. You know, you were the reason that uh, we started working with Ford many years ago, got my email and uh, invited us to visit uh, Detroit and and show our work. And, you know, for that, I'm I'm forever grateful. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And uh, again, just thank you so much for the time today and uh, look forward to uh, further conversation. All right. Uh, Thank you so much as well uh, from your side uh, uh, for uh, this interview and and, uh, we'll uh, talk soon. And that wraps up another episode of the Perception Podcast. As always, send any questions and comments to ask at experienceperception.com. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and our YouTube channel. Sign up for our weekly newsletter on our site, experienceperception.com slash contact. Lastly, if you enjoyed this podcast, please go to iTunes and write a nice review. See you on the next episode. Thank you.